Sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you. Well, it's time to show your food who's boss with Noom. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 365. Have a returning guest coming on the show to talk about some fantasy baseball week four news and notes, some players, because, you know, if you go to Twitter, everyone is in panic mode. It's like the end of the world. Someone's pushing the button pretty soon. So we're going to talk about some players that have uh, good starts, bad starts, all that good stuff. Awesome listener questions. You guys came through. So we'll get to all of that. And now uh, you can find this guest at Fantrax. He's a part of the Fantrax Toolshed. He's a co-host on there with Eric Cross. He's on Twitter at Roto Clegg. Chris Clegg, how we doing, man? Hi, Bubba. What's up, man? It's good to be back. Always a fun time chatting with you. And so I was honored when you asked me again to come on. Looking forward yeah. to the conversation today. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll get ahead of the curve here. Uh, a pre-congratulations as next week you're going to be uh, joining the daddy gang. So congratulations. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's a little nerve-wracking. Really exciting, mm-hmm. but uh, ready or not, here it comes. Yeah, you're. It's about like I, I understand where you are because mine's almost ten months, so it wasn't that far that long ago. And um, it's the uh, like the the nerves going into it, like okay, it's gonna come in, it's coming, it's coming, and then it just kind of all happens, and you just kind of go with the flow, and you're excited, and it's just like there's a lot of moments you have no clue what you're doing, <laughs> and I still don't. But it's like you make it work. It's fun. Yeah. It's it's that's part of the fun in it. I think is like. Um, the one piece of advice, because everyone gives advice, the one piece I'll give is don't listen to anybody else. Do what works for you guys. That's yeah, the one that's, thing I've, I've learned. Do what works for you guys. That's so, a lot of people give you all these things to do yeah. and what, what you should. And then a lot of people said, hey, you got to do what works. So yeah, as long as your kid's happy advice. and healthy and you guys are happy, that's all that matters. So yeah. don't, <laughs> there's no, there's no exact science to this whole cha-cha. But um, let's do some fantasy baseball here before we start. Plug away. You're a busy, busy man. So let everybody know what you got going on at Fantrax, Fantrax Toolshed, all that cool stuff. Yeah, so it's been staying busy with that, you know, writing a weekly StatCast piece, just looking at guys that are kind of trending in different directions maybe with some different StatCast categories. It's good to follow for, you know, fantasy purposes and looking at some guys that maybe kind of under the radar that might pop off or guys that are overperforming a little bit and also doing a, a dynasty or prospects piece each week as well. And I've been working through some dynasty OBP rankings. So that's kind of been doing those positionally, just put out the shortstop rankings on Thursday. And so we'll be kind of plugging away at that, doing outfield next. And then I'll have the overall top 500 for dynasty OBP rankings coming out soon. We'll see with the baby and all when that comes, but that'll be on the way. But yeah, and the tool shed's been going good. You know, we've been 
looking at been we expanded doing from prospects just to all dynasty stuff. So good. been covering prospects and dynasty level. So it's been good and uh that's been going really well. So not as busy as I once was, but I'm still staying busy with with some sounds, fantasy baseball content. It sounds plenty busy to me. That's, uh, <laughs> that, that seems like a I, I want to say a good balance, but that seems plenty busy to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the idea of expanding the dynasty because there's a lot of prospect shows, and it's fine. The more the merrier, but there's not a ton that do like the dynasty angle of it because you know after you have that first year draft and you draft your prospects, it's like okay, well now now where do I go? And there's not a lot of that content out there. So I think that's that's interesting. A couple things you mentioned there, you're doing OBP rankings, which I think is huge because kind of the way things are going, we drafted Tout Wars together, OBP obviously. So I think that's cool. But I want to ask you on StatCast because like the leaderboards just got released, I think like a week ago, give or take. Um, Where do you, like, and you can, you're using them and I get it. Like we use them all the time, like this ex-WOBA, maybe an underachiever and all these different things. Where do you feel comfortable? Because I know you did this content last year with the StatCast. Where do you feel comfortable in like it kind of becomes stabilized, you know, or you kind of can trust it more? Yeah. So right now it's just still looking at like max exit VLO gainers, which is one thing that I, I think is, you know, something that we can actually utilize now. And th- they've talked about, you know, how the maybe it's like a tick up this year, like maybe a mile an hour. So that's worth monitoring as well. But I really just max exit velocity, been looking at pitchers like, velo jumps and pitch mix changes because i think that's important for early season gains you see a guy like you know like tyler glass now he took a step forward i think we're actually going to hit on him some during the pod but mm-hmm. you know, he's got a new pitch that's been i think taking him to the next level and so looking at that kind of stuff a lot of like you look at average exit velocity there's a lot of skewed numbers so far <laughs> you look at guys like i think Pete Alonzo, last time I looked, had like a 99.9 mile an hour exit, average exit velocity, which isn't going to stick, obviously, which is, you know, last year I think the leader was around like 94, 95-ish for average. So right now it's still a lot of data that's yet to stabilize. But mm-hmm. I do think you look at some things like even like XBA, those sort of things can be helpful. You look at like a Jeff McNeil who's really struggled sitting like, in the the low 100s, but his XBA is up near 300. So I think that shows some signs that there could be some positive regression coming. And even like you look at like Ozzy Albies or Freddie Freeman, who also have those numbers, they've hit the ball hard in a lot of places, just not falling. And so you have to walk like tread carefully, I think early season, but utilizing and knowing, you know, what you can trust early on and what you can't trust is very important. And there's a great article uh, Max Freeze put out that's about like stabilization rates that I kind of refer to a lot when we look at these numbers, like early season, what can we trust? What can we not trust? And I think that's important just to really sit down and take it all in and realize like what's important right now and what's not. It's because there's a lot of stuff in there that, you know, yeah. doesn't really mean much early on. Yeah. Like I, I can't remember who I was listening to, but even like sprint speed, which I don't use a lot, but that's as an example, you know, you have to have some like the way they some guys have like one or two total attempts at sprint speed and they've, you know, had 40 balls in play. But just by the way things are measured, it's different. So when you're measuring all this other stuff, like, yeah, when does it normalize? It is an interesting conversation. So I'll have to check out Max's piece. Max does great work. So that sounds uh, very intriguing. Let's talk some recent news real quick. Uh, latest front on the Toronto Blue Jays closing situation, which has been a carousel all around. Uh, one time it was, you know, Yates, that's gone. Then it was Romano. He got hurt. But good news, Romano might be back this weekend. Uh, and then Julian Merriweather came in. Everyone spent money on that. Well, now he's out even longer. They just shut him down. You got Rafael Delis in there. What are you doing with this? Uh, it's a mess. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw, I mean, Merriweather might have been the most fab guy so far this year. I'll have to go back and look at that. But I know a lot of people spent a lot of money on him early on after 
Yates went down and he grabbed a couple saves that first week. And, and then, you know, he goes down, Romano went down. It's a mess, but I think Romano's returning this weekend, potentially. Yep. I could see him taking the job and running with it. We, we saw him handle it pretty well last year. I mean, he's solid pitcher. He's, he's had experience in the role. And if Merriweather's going to miss another month or so, I don't see any reason Romano, if he performs well, can't keep the job, but Man, if closer's been an absolute mess to try to keep up with, it's, yeah, it's a yeah. disaster. Yeah. So the other day in a daily lineup league, after Garrett's big blow up again, dropped him, picked up Lucas Sims, and he blew up the next day. So I'm just, I'm just at a complete loss right now of, of what to do with closers. <laughs> yeah. The biggest thing, like I'm telling people, and I, I like Romano too. I drafted him in a lot of places, especially deeper leagues, like even best balls in DCs, because I believe eventually it would be his job, or at least he'd get his chance. I still think it can be because we even saw him in the high leverage spots early before he got hurt. And and recently, Delise was in the high leverage and they let some other people close. So it, it's going to be a mess in general. But the one thing I keep telling people is if you don't have a locked in guy and there's all these committees, just grab the best ratio guy, strikeout guy. He'll probably get the highest leverage and he'll run into some. Like, I, uh, people, listeners probably think I'm a broken record, but I have a lot of Jose Alvarado because I'm just like, just go out there, do your thing, run into like 10 or 12 saves, give me a couple wins. Like, <laughs> we're just going to yeah. call it good. So, right. You know, it's he helps mess. you a little in the saves category and gives you good ratios and Ks. Can't complain about that. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that monitors because Ramon, like you said, should be back this weekend. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, the Padres, I'm curious to see more reports on this, but the beat, beat writer report from Kevin AC says they, they're not going to have an MRI because they already know he's hurt. He was hurt beforehand. And I'm thinking, okay, if he re-hurt something or made it worse, shouldn't you have an MRI on that? That seems silly. Um, latest reports are they expect him back within like 10 days to be able to start again, which I think is pretty crazy. It's like it's like delaying the inevitable to me. A uh, couple questions here, and we're going to talk about a few things on this subject. First off, if you drafted Danelis and Lamette, and they're still giving you hope that he's there, do you just do you just hang on to him, or what? What are you doing with Lamette? It's such a tough spot. I guess if you've held on to him this long, yeah, I'd at least hold on like another ten days. Like I said, ten days, stay, and then see. Because if you've been willing to sit on this long, I don't see why you drop him right now. True. I mean, I get it. Like maybe you need the spot, but if you don't have any IL spots and you sit on him for almost a full month, then true, I would say just sit on him for another week and just see. But I think it's heading for disaster. Yeah, I don't see it any well. It's the inevitable, unfortunately. And we saw uh, Ryan Weathers make the start um, two nights ago, and he looked or last night, and he looked outstanding on Thursday night against the Dodgers. He's probably getting a couple more uh, outings in the rotation. There's rumblings. Maybe you would get a McKenzie Gore signing. Maybe we get a few things. If say you're heading to the waiver wire this weekend, and we're going to kind of talk about different players here and there, are you aggressive on Ryan Weathers? Are you putting feelers out for Gore? Who's the guy you want to potentially take over in San Diego? I think that you grab Weathers, man. He's been hot. Just let him. Let's run with him and see where he goes. I mean, we've seen him in a couple roles. He, he grabbed a save earlier in the year. He's had two starts now, and he's pitched really well. I mean, he's got a point. 0.59 ERA and a 0.59 WHIP, 16 Ks and 15 innings. He looks dominant, and this is the reports like he made a big gain last year that we didn't see. And there were reports of this, like some people obviously reported it, but we didn't get to see him in action. And this is one of those cases where a prospect made a major step forward, and I think Weathers actually did that because if we had a season last year, he would have probably been a top 50 prospect and a guy that a lot of people would have been on, but we didn't see him last year. And so we're just getting to see him now and he's pitched 15 innings and he's looked good. And so everybody's going to jump on. I think he'll be a big, big fab guy this weekend. If he's not already on, 
should have made a spec ad in TGFBI. He was available. I almost did it last week and I regret it. So now he's going to go for a lot of money. But yeah, I, I like Weathers. Gore, I just have no clue. He's such a wild yeah. card. I still think he's got ace upside. Like of any pitcher in the minor leagues, he's like one of the few that I would say has ace upside. But they're just being weird with him. They're kind of vague. I don't really know. So it's hard to say for sure what they're going to do with him and when they call him up. So right now I'm just running with Weathers. But I think it's a good point because I think it is Weathers right now. If they wanted Gore, I think he would have been up already, at least in the bullpen, kind of how Weathers was. They'd be getting them the, the reps in there because that's the one thing I don't understand. I know that there's the quote-unquote service time manipulation, but there's just training at an alt site. Wouldn't you want them getting reps against the Dodgers right now or something and seeing yeah. what the kids got? Like That's why I get annoyed with the Bobby Witt, and they, if they say, well, he hasn't been plashed single. I, okay, I get it, but we know who Nicky Lopez is. Don't you want to know who Bobby Witt is? I guess it's, that's just my question. So I guess that's a little different because at least Gore we've seen kind of against higher-end talent already somewhat, so we, that's a little different. But the way the, the prospect – like, okay – Screw the Bobby Wood comparison. Jared Kalinick. There you go. That that there's your answer on why yeah. or what are we doing here? But <laughs> um you you so I'm I'm with you on the weathers thing. I think that's great. And it also goes back to he had saves early on. He's worked bullpen, long man starter. In this crazy season of pitching, they're not gonna send him down if they go to Gore. They're gonna put him back in the bullpen or he's gonna get spot starts, this and that. He could still be an asset to you throughout the season. It, it's yeah. like there could be weeks where you'd rather have him than like some fifth starter in a lot of places. So um, I think that's an interesting option, uh, but he's going to be very expensive. Like you said, you said something about uh, the prospects. Like if we would have known last year about the gains, this and that, since you do prospect rankings and you and cross talk about them a lot in the tool shed and everything else, how are you guys going about that? Because it's like some places are talking, some places aren't, some people give us videos, some people didn't. And we're trying, and like you guys have it tough because you're trying to make a rankings that a bunch of us can use, but you're kind of half blind in this also. So how is how are you guys going about that? Yeah, that's tough. And you just have to dig and find any bit of information possible, like any bit of news notes. And like some teams, like you mentioned, like the Red Sox last year, they like broadcast games on Twitter. We got to see Jaron Duran show off his power. Like he made the swing change. They made that really clear, put it out there. He added power. He was a guy that had a big hit tool with a lot of speed. And I think he's going to be up this year, probably you know late May, June. And he could be a guy to, that's going to make a big impact on the game this year for fantasy. But others, you know, they're so quiet. We just have no information about. And so you just have to dig and use any bit of information you can get. And some guys, you know, I'm not going to drop a guy I don't have any information about in rankings if I don't know anything. Like if I, if I have nothing on him from last year, whether he made a gain, whether he didn't make a gain, it's hard to do anything with him other than just to kind of Leave him. still evaluate him as we did prior. Yeah. And so now we're kind of trying to get as much as we can, like from minor league spring training stuff and you know some of the stuff from the outside, but it's tough with, without a lot of actual stuff out there. You can't watch every day. You can't, there's not any, a lot of stats to pull. Now some teams, the Mariners are good about putting stats out there. They put out stat cast data for the guys at the outside, which is fantastic. So it's tough. It's just case by case basis. And so trying to do everything we can to provide the best stuff to the readers you know, with, with as much information as we can possibly get, you know, like we don't have this inside access to every team, but we got to do with what we can, which makes it tough in some sense. Well, on the bright side, May 1st is around the corner and that's when minor league seasons begin. So we're going to actually start getting some action. I'm, I'm excited because it's been like kind of trickling out, but nothing official yet. I want to know who's going where, like who's at yeah. what place. Cause like I'm a, I'm close to San Jose, I'm like an hour away. I used to go to San Jose giants all the time. And they were the high A affiliate. Now they're the low A affiliate. So it's like, hmm, 
which guys do I get here? It'll be, and then who's traveling over here, like from Modesto and so So I, I love it. I know you got, you got guys over by you. You like to go see. And we've talked, I think we've talked about it. I know I've talked about it with others. I prefer going to those games half the time yeah. than a real game. So they're a blast. I, I'm pretty pumped when I got, I got that email actually this morning that tickets went on sale. I'm like, yes, here we go. Yes. Um, Cabrian Hayes, he, you know, battling the wrist injury. We saw him for maybe a week, a little less than a week, and he was torching the baseball again. Everything everyone wanted to see. We're like, yeah, here he is, rookie of the year. Awesome. Then he hurts his wrist. He's been down for a while. And then he took some BP against a, a high-velocity machine, re-injured it. That was yesterday's news. On Friday, all MRIs and scans looked okay. So it's like they're going to let him kind of rest a couple of days and maybe Monday, Tuesday, try it again. It might be one of those deals. It's like he's going to have to work through some pain to get back to it type deal. I don't know, man. What are your thoughts on Cabrian Hayes? Because I've heard some people are dropping him. Um, it's, it's it's pretty wild stuff. Yeah, it's tough because I'm sitting on him in a couple leagues with no IL spots, and yeah, I was a big fan of him. He was, I thought he was a great value in drafts and a good draft spot. He showed the tick up in power, which is something. And, I, and this is something I'll admit that I was wrong on Cabrian Hayes because I didn't see the power coming. You know, great hit tool, a guy that can hit. 280, 290, and he had some decent speed at third base. Great glove. Like we, we knew he was going to have those things, but I didn't see the power developing like it had. And then we see him in the spring. The power was there. He even showed the power a little last year when he when he came up. I think he had around 85 plate appearances. And then you know, in the spring, he was hitting the ball incredibly hard, and it even carried over to the start of the season for the injury. It makes it tough because the talent level's there. I thought he was going to take a big step forward this year. And if you're sitting on him, you don't have an IL spot, it makes it tough because again, the news is so vague. Like we expect him to be back in April at some point, And then the news comes out, he re-aggravates it. How long? We don't have a timetable. We know that maybe we'll see what he can do early next week. It's so tough. And in these situations where we don't have a clear answer, like I'd rather them just say like, he has, he's fractured this. He's going to be at, we know he's going to be out a month in this kind of vague situation. I think you have to hold on, but. Depending on the league depth, I guess. If you're in a 10 or 12 team, I could see cutting bait. But a 15, I think you definitely have to hold on to him. Yeah, and that's the key. I'm glad you said that because, you know, a lot of a lot of discussions like, oh, it's NFC, it's 15 teams, there's no ILs. But we, we play in a lot of leagues that are 10 and 12 teams, a lot of leagues with a bunch of ILs, no ILs. Like, league format's so dependent. And I, I'm with you. Like, on a on a 10-team league, on paper, you should have quite a bit of options on the waiver yeah. wire where it's like, you know what? Yeah. It is what it is. I need someone that can go contribute right now. And one of those guys is replaced him on the Pirates is Philip Evans. And he's been like really sneaky good. I I know he's a little older. We've seen, kind of seen him through the grind. I didn't expect this from Philip Evans. I honestly didn't know a ton about Philip Evans before this year. And he's been hitting with a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, hitting for average. A, a, do you think this is sustainable? And B, how aggressive would you be to be like, you know, if Cabrian's going to be out for a while and he's somehow still out there, he's probably not. But if he is, how aggressive would you be on him? Yeah, it's it's interesting because you look at Evan's profile and you just see all these gains he's made and you wonder, like, is it legit? And I don't know. I have a hard time buying, but you, it's hard to argue with what he's done. I mean, he's yeah. hit four home runs already, stole a bag, you know, slashing 274, 357, 500. It's good numbers, and that's solid production, and it, it's sitting on your wire. And, I mean, it seems like he's the guy as long as Hayes is out and maybe he even finds his way into the lineup when Hayes is back in some form or fashion. I don't they can fit him in if he keeps hitting. It's hard to keep a guy like that out of the lineup, but everything kind of checks out. Like I, I want to find a reason not to buy into him, yeah. but you look at the profile and it's there. I mean, your stack cast data, he's hitting the ball hard. The hard hit rate 
It's very, very good. He's not striking out. The only kind of negative on him is a lower walk rate, but 7%, you know, that'll play. That's not bad at all. And I don't know. I'd at least ride the hot streak out and see if it sticks. Maybe you missed the boat already, but if he's there, I just, I may give us ad and just see how long this lasts because there's always these guys every year that pop up early season. And in my opinion, I'd rather stream them early and see if they mm-hmm. stick. Worst case, you drop him. Like he, yep. he wasn't in your lineup anyway. You're probably dropping a, a bottom man on your roster for him anyway. And you got to turn the back spot of your rosters to be successful. And I would just ride it out. If it sticks, it sticks. You keep him in, in your lineup on your bench, whatever. But I don't know. He, he's one of those that's hard to read, but I'd at least give him a shot. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I snagged him in a couple spots, but I was very hesitant. It wasn't like a right out the gate snag situation. But the other thing looking at his game logs, he's playing mainly at third base for for Cabrian, like we talked about. But he's played some first base. He's played a lot in the outfield. So he's going to get that positional eligibility. It's one of those, like you said, if Cabrian comes back and Evans is still hitting, they're going to find a spot for him out there. And it's the Pirates. They could easily make some trades. So there, there's a lot of intriguing ways to make him a viable source for the whole season if he's productive. So grab him now while you can. Uh, quick notes. We don't have to talk about this, but I want to let everybody know Ronald Acuna is returning on Friday. So somehow if you're listening to this before you set lineups, well, there you go. If you're watching this live, you could do that. Um, you got Juan Soto still out for a while. There's a, there's a bunch of guys. Like it's every day. It's just a slew of injuries. Colton Wong returned on Friday. He's got a homer and a stolen base. That's beautiful. So just cross your fingers and hope things stay good. Um, let's talk about some guys that uh, I want to know if you're in. Are you out? Are you waiting type thing? Are you just dropping them? Like what are you doing with these guys? There's tons of names all over Twitter. I, I, people sent in some more that we'll discuss. But I put kind of a handful that I know are pretty popular names that we've all – you've probably already discussed on your show. I know I've discussed on my show a few times. And let's kind of get your, pick your brain on this a little bit here. And we'll start for, with one of the, the big ones. And he's on the IL right now, so it kind of, I guess – limits the damage that he can do to you right now. But Keston Hira, it's one of those we saw last year. Uh, the strikeout rate just went through the roof up to 34.6%. Year before, thirty almost 31%. Yeah, this is a guy that in the minors had a low K rate in college. was one of the best college hitters he's ever seen. And it's just gotten horrible. And, like, you can't hit the fastball. It's all over the place. Hitting a buck 18 so far this year. Striking out almost 37% of the time. He's on the IL, like I said, but he'll be back pretty soon. How much longer do you wait to see if he figures it out or are you just being like, you know what? I can't do it anymore. It's so tough. Like you drafted him. I mean, he was going probably around like pick 75 range yeah. in drafts. And it's hard to cut bait on someone you drafted that high. But like you mentioned, he's been terrible. And it, it makes it tough to really know what to do with him at this point. And like you mentioned, you you hit those points because that's what I'm struggling with on him. In college, you watch him. He was such a good hitter. Low K rates. Mm-hmm. Then he developed the power in the minor leagues, and he was still hitting for average. He wasn't striking out as a high clip. And you know, scouts labeled him one of the best hit and power guys in the minor leagues. He comes up, and he struck out a lot in his his first in his rookie debut. But he he was dominant. You saw in 2019 when he came up. I mean, 19 home runs, nine stolen bags, and 303 average. And then it's just tanked since then. And the contact rates are just absolutely horrendous. And you think they couldn't get worse, but They've gotten worse from last year, which is insane. I mean, he's making contact in the zone only 60.9% of the time, which is just incredibly low. And you just really have to wonder, like, is he cooked? Does he need to go down to the minor leagues and just get his confidence back? Like, what is it? Is it because he's switching positions? Like, they moved him to first. He had to learn a new position, and then they you know, bump him back to second when when Wong got hurt. I don't know. There's a lot of question marks here, but you know, right now, when you're getting on base at a higher clip than your slug, you know, that's a, a serious problem. It's just not good. 
Yeah, it's not definitely. Good. Sorry, go ahead. Not to say it's not good. It's it's weird because like when he makes contact, though he's got over a ten percent barrel rate. The hard contact is only like thirty two percent. You'd hope for more from from uh, Kesson Hira, but still a pretty good barrel rate. Good max exit velocity, even his average exit velocity is in the nineties, which isn't bad. But man, you look at like his swinging strike rate is twenty and a half percent. That's not good. Overall contact skills, like you mentioned, his O swing, like it's just it's all across the board bad. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, like I said the other day, I think the thing with him is like I, I can't stomach dropping him yet. I'd wait a few more weeks once he gets back. But with the minor leagues opening up May 1st, the Brewers might make the decision for you. Like they might send him down and tell him, hey, go get your head right, which would stink because you drop him and he comes back and maybe he rakes. But like, how long can you stomach that? It's definitely tough. It's it's a tough decision. But honestly, it may be the best thing for him to, to hit the minor leagues and just – let him rake and get some confidence back. So it's just a, he looks lost. He needs something to get him going. He looks lost. Like maybe it's a swing change or get back to the college swing. Something where going to the minors and getting a, a little lesser pitching is going to be the ticket to get your confidence up, like you said, and and get going. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Now let's talk about the Houston outfielder Kyle Tucker. He started the season just on fire. Couldn't miss anything in that Oakland series. Was getting it all, and then it's kind of petered out for tucker but he's one of those guys if you look at the stat cast numbers you're like okay wait a minute like he's hitting a buck 71 he's got 214 iso he's only striking out 16 percent of the time some things check the box pretty nice and his, his stat cast numbers are pretty darn outstanding to me so like i'm not concerned with kyle tucker what's your thoughts on tucker no if you if you're willing to uh sell him low to me in the league where you can trade i'll take him all day he just he's he's made gains this year. He's made strides with contact numbers. You know he's swinging less out of the zone. His contact numbers are up. The zone contact is up. He's making gains, but I think that there's just you know, something that's off right now. But it's coming. You look at you mentioned he's hitting the ball hard. The barrel rates up from last year. I don't know. Uh, this the launch angle is the biggest concern. We've seen the fly ball rate go up a little bit, and his launch angle is over. 20 degrees at 21.5, which is slightly concerning for me. Like he doesn't hit enough power. Like a Joey Gallo can get away with that, but I don't think Kyle Tucker can, but that come, that'll come around. I'm not worried about it. The hard hit rate's good. Like you mentioned, the strikeouts are down the walk rate eh, at 2.6%. That's slightly concerning, but let's see if it, it tapers back up. You know, he's been a, a decent walk rate for his career. Not great, but I think that comes back around. I'm not worried at all. I'd be buying low on him if you can. I don't, I doubt anybody's dropped him, but if they have, like you got to scoop him up. He'll he'll come back to her. He'll be fine. Not worried about him at all. I'm curious to see maybe, you know, with Altuve out on the COVID IL, they've moved Correa to the leadoff spot. And he had a decent game the first time. We'll see how he does on Friday night. I think maybe moving like a Tucker to like two and letting the big dogs hit behind him, get get his confidence back up, I think could be intriguing. I know they want him farther down to use his power to drive in runs. I get it, but he's a power speed guy. Why don't you put him somewhere where he can set the table for you? Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, definitely not worried about him at all. I was kind of surprised his name came up in, in a conversation. But yeah. don't worry about him. Again, none of these guys, or maybe by the time you listen to this, they played 20 games. So very small samples, people. Very, very small samples. Yeah, but I think that's we have to get out of the sprint season because yep. this would have been a third of the season last year. Oh, a big difference, yeah. Right. And so we made we had to make so many gut reactions last year. And I think people still have that mindset. But we got to realize, like, we're just getting started. Guys are just getting going, so take a breath. Be okay. It's a long season. Yeah, it's a, the sprint season or the football mentality. It's like if this was week four in football, I'm already lost. I'm done. I'm on four. Like just burn the whole thing down. But um, it's different. And like I, I tweeted out today, and I know others have talked about it. That 
if this was like July, we'd call it a slump. We wouldn't be like concerned at all. But it's like right. we look we look at our roster, our fantasy roster, we see like a, a one twelve batting average and no home runs, you're just like, ah <laughs> but <laughs> it's like so much can change yeah. so fast He's, for the good and the bad. So like you've got to kind of weigh it all out and see how right. it plays. That's what I laughed so hard when uh when George Montanez put out that uh tweet. I don't know if you saw it, it was like the Drake meme where it's like the no and then the it was like uh, oh, yeah. the the 2020 small samples, and everybody was like all about it. And then like three weeks in April, everybody's like, no. <laughs> thought it was pretty <laughs> good. Perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, that sums everything up actually pretty darn well. Yeah. Um, the next guy I want to talk about, Chris Bryant. He's a he's a player that I will admit I wanted nothing to do with. The shoulder concerned me. We've seen in recent years. Just the overall production has been down like he's been nursing something. Like you look at certain numbers and they've been okay, but then you look at like his stat cast and you dig in and you're just like, yeah, I don't know yet. But he's come out just crushing it here to start the season. Uh, five homers going into Friday. He's runs RBIs. He's walking the almost the best he's ever walked in his life so far. Average is decent. He looks like he's trying to be that MVP Chris Bryant, but it's like I, I don't want to say I'm watching the other, waiting for the other shoe to fall. But it's like if that shoulder is still bugging which maybe not it's gonna fall where are you at on chris bryant is it like hey we might get this mvp guy or are you like ah, he might be kind of overachieving right now i think that he's legit i'm not i'm not going to the mvp level again which when you look at that like for a while i was always like well chris bryant has to get back to this level he did it at such a young age you know he was so dominant to start his career and then he just fell off i don't think we ever see him get back to that but you even look at 2019 where People were down on him. He still had 31 homers, hit yeah. 282. There was a lot to like it there. And, you know, I, I think he could get back to that level. Obviously, last year was was really bad, but he started out well so far and highest OPS of his career so far. I know small sample, but uh, 1028, really, really good. 295 average, five bombs. He looks like the Chris Bryant of old that we saw when he first came up. And, you know, he's never been a real stat cast darling. He's never really hit the ball hard. And he's never had a season where he had, a, had an average exit velocity over 90, which is kind of insane, but you know, this year he's pushing it at 89, 15% barrel rates. Good. The max exit velo is solid and, you know, not great, but right in line with his career averages. And here's where I really like this is launch angle. And when we see guys with shoulder injuries, they tend to pop the ball up more. They're ten- like we saw last year, like oblique shoulders. Those guys try to lift the ball more. Austin Meadows was one of those guys that happened to, and I think also with Chris Bryant that happened when we see the shoulder injury, he was up in you know, 20.7 degree launching. That's too high again yeah. for a guy that hits the ball with an average exit velocity of 88 miles an hour for his career. He can't get away with that. No. This year he's got down to 14.3, which is huge. I think for him, I think you're going to see that average tick back up because you know, line drives are there. He's not hitting the ball in the air as often, which is encouraging. And Honestly, the Stackhouse numbers are more encouraging than they have been really at any point of his career. So mm-hmm. I think he's a buy right now. When we look at all the numbers. I, I'm in the back of your mind, like you said, you always think about will the injury pop back up, but maybe he got fully healthy. I think yeah. this was something they kept playing him through and he never got the chance to really recover, but maybe he's healthy now. I, I like what I see. I don't have a ton of shares, unfortunately, because like you said, I thought he was just kind of cooked at this point. Mm-hmm. But I think he could be a reasonable buy right now and he could have a great season. So I like what I'm seeing so far as long as he can stay healthy. Put that caveat on it. Very true. As long as he can stay healthy. And I'm with you. Like, 
I dig into those numbers. And I'm like, everything looks great. I'm like, sure, I'd be overachieving a little bit when you look at the X stats, but they're not by a lot. Like, it's still great numbers in the grand scheme of things. So if he regresses a little, so be it. He still puts up good numbers. I'm intrigued. Like, I'm I'm, I'm more mad at myself than anything because all offseason, I'm like, the Cubs can't be this bad again. Like, I'm going to just tip this one to COVID. They all struggled. It's just a mess. Like, Hap and Rizzo and Baez and – Baez is striking out almost 50% of the time, but he's crushing baseballs and stealing bags. Like, so we got that going for us. Rizzo's back. Like, they're they're playing great. Contreras hit another home run on Friday. There's a lot to like with this Cubs team. So I think I'm going to – I feel like I'm wrong on Bryant, like, like you said. I think this might be real. We'll wait and see. A long, long ways to go. This might be one that – at the same time, I think I was, I was more like, I want you on Moncada, which we'll talk about later yeah. at that point in the draft. So maybe I just made the wrong decision on this wrong, wrong Chicago third baseman on that one. Let's go to Cincinnati. Uh, Nick Castellanos, a guy I absolutely love. I was so pumped when he went to Cincinnati. Last year had a kind of mixed season, still 14 homers in the, the in 60 games, but only hit 225. was a bit disappointing there, but he's come out swinging. 299 average, six homers already to start the season. Are you buying this with Casty? Is he, is he back to this guy we uh, we love? Because like you look at his, his stat cast numbers last year, they weren't that bad. He just had I call it bad luck. A two twenty five average and a two seventy two XBA. That's pretty rough. Oh yeah, uh, he's a guy I was all over this year, and I was thinking, and I even I think I even said on podcast he could be this year's Marcelo Zuna that takes that he's huge step call. forward. And I think we're seeing that because this is the same guy he's always been. I think that's what people don't realize. Like in Detroit, he led the league in doubles like every season because it wasn't a huge hitter friendly park. Like he never put up huge home run numbers and you, know, you look at him and he's never hit 30 home runs in a year but you know he's pushed it with 27 <laughs> then he goes to Chicago when they traded him to the Cubs he hit those 16 home runs in 51 games looked absolutely dominant hit 321 and then you go to Cincinnati that offseason I'm like man this is you know great American small park he's gonna kill it he's 35 home run threat and last year, I thought he was going to do it. Like he was a yeah. he was one of my dark horse MVP picks for a shortened season, just because he could get so hot, and he did. Like he started out the year and was just absolutely killing it. Fell off a little bit, but he's taken a step forward from last year. And I think he was really good last year. You look at those numbers, and the hard hit rate was nearly fifty percent last year. He barreled the ball at a sixteen percent rate. The average exit velocity of ninety one miles an hour. All those numbers were really good. And like you mentioned, the XBA and the X slug. Like he genuinely underperformed by a ton the strikeout rate spiked a little bit and i wonder in the back of my mind if this was because of a video issue maybe he was one of those that didn't speak out about it he was one of them i I believe he found out i think we found out he was one of the video guys well there we go i mean you look at this his career strikeout rate you know 21 percent, and he was at 28 and a half last year so that confirms my suspicion i appreciate you passing that along and he's down to 15 percent strikeout rate this year which awesome you know you love to see that he's making a ton of contact i think he's gonna just ride this out all season i don't see any reason he won't and i think he's even got a chip on his shoulder now that suspension was kind of crap and i think he's he's got a reason to just go all at it and just just dominate the league this year so it wouldn't surprise me to see him hit 30 home runs and you look at a guy who i mean he consistently high averages throughout his career and i don't see any reason why he can't hit 280 or better for the full season 35 bombs like i'll take that all day yeah, you could you could tell he might have a chip on his shoulder just from that when he scored uh, scored at home and uh, went all over Yadi Molina and started the the brawl. He's taking things seriously. And I was like game five of the season or something. So that that's pretty good to see. And I'm a big Casty fan, so I love seeing him hit. But the the video thing, I, I know a lot of us talked about it, but I wish I would have put more weight on it because 
Casty, Baez, regardless of the strikeouts, like the way you said in the baseball again, J.D. Martinez, like all these guys are raking. Like Yelich is the only one, but maybe his back's that messed up that it's just he needs more help than just the video right about now. We'll wait and see on him. But um, I want to go to L.A. here because this is a guy that I've been hesitant to to acquire, and I pretty much can't anymore because he's probably rostered everywhere. But I just don't know where the consistent playing time is going to come from, and maybe it'll bite me in the butt. But Zach McKinstry for the Dodgers, he's playing all over the all over the field. He's hitting well. Honestly, going into the season, I had never even heard of the kid. Uh, what's your takes on uh, Zach McKinstry? Do you think it's sustainable on a Dodgers team that right now has a lot of openings because of injuries, but guys are going to get healthy? I think he keeps the play in time. I really do because he's that utility guy where he can play anywhere, and the Dodgers love that kind of player. You know, he's him. He's got second base outfield eligibility right now, but his possibly gains more. Like he can really play anywhere in the field. I mean, he can even play first base. I don't see any reason for them to put him there because he's got a good glove. But they'll utilize this even if he plays five days a week. When people get back, I think he's very valuable because he can give Justin Turner rest. You know. Turner's older. He, he's had some injuries. Maybe he gives Turner a rest a couple of days a week. You know, second base is kind of up for grabs. You know, Lux hasn't been great. He's played in the outfield because they've had injuries. Pollock, I mean, Lord knows he can't stay healthy for a full year. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy that reminds me a lot of Jay Cronenworth, who kind of come out of nowhere. And, you know, McKinstry has always put up solid numbers in the minors. And this offseason, you know, we there's a couple reports that, all the rave was about McKinstry, Gavin Lux and, and Zach McKinstry. They apparently stood out above everyone, like in all sight and fall instructs. And so that really weighed a lot on me. Obviously, I didn't draft him anywhere. I didn't think he was going to play this much, even though I, I liked the guy. I thought he was going to get some some reps, but not this many. But he's performed well. He's got a solid hit tool. He's going to hit for good average. The power is decent. Like, I don't think he's going to give you a ton of power, but you know, 15 bombs with a solid average that can play all over the field. It'll play on your bench, especially. You know, he gladly have him on a bench and TGFBI fill in as needed. Which right now I've got you know so many injuries on the, that team and some other NFBC teams. You know, I'm having to use him, but I'm not complaining about it. He's going to give you solid numbers, and I I think if he keeps hitting, his bat stays in the lineup because his glove's good too. He'll find a place, and it, how much? That's the question I think. But I'm a fan of Zach McKinstry. Well, you, you compared him to Jake Cronenworth, so you had me you had me at Jake. So that's that's good because. I'm a huge Cronenworth fan. If he can do that, I think he's – if you think he's got 15 home runs, that might be more power than Cronenworth has too. Yeah. So um, that's that's intriguing. Now I might be regretting this, but I just didn't want to break the bank. He went for a lot of money this last week. And I was just like yeah. – that was tough for me to, to stomach, but maybe maybe that's one of those. If he, It's just because, you know, maybe he takes the Kiki Hernandez role from last year. That could be right. it. Because um, Chris Taylor's still there. He's going to get his playing time, but maybe he takes that Kiki role. I could see that. That's a different way to look at it for sure. So yeah, we'll wait and see there. Um, I'm going to try to keep all my biases out of this next player. And I want to get all of your opinion before I say a word. But Glaber Torres was off to a very bad start to the season. He had three hits on Thursday night. How concerned are you with Glaber Torres? Oh, this is a guy I've been really split on, man. I, you know, in a lot of little cases last year, like, his was he had a bad season last year. Kind of chalked it up bad. to COVID, and that's what I do with a lot of guys, unfortunately. And maybe that's right, maybe that's wrong, depending on case by case. But you know, maybe it's just a, a weird year. He struggled. The power was kind of zapped last year. Obviously, he wasn't a 38 home run guy that we saw in 2019 because he hit, I think, like 16 against the Orioles. We knew that wasn't going to happen again. 
But could he hit 30 home runs with a good batting average, chip in some steals? Certainly. And he's the star shortstop in the Bronx, you know? But after last year's struggles and then again this year, it's left me kind of wondering. Obviously, it's good to see him get those three hits, jump back on board a little bit. But three home runs last year in 42 games. Hasn't hit a home run this far in 17 games. I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't slightly concerned. And I thought he was a decent value in drafts this year where he was going. And I have several shares of him, and it's not turning out so well. You know, you look at the barrel rate, 6.3%. Knock rate is down from 2018, 2019, up from last year, which last year was terrible. But his average exit velocity, 83.8. That's like Victor Robles exit velocity. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's definitely good. concerning. No. And I don't know, just across the board, like, there's some reasons to be concerned. The walk rate, and this is what I'm beginning to wonder, is he being too passive at the plate? Because the walk rate spiked last year to near 14%, mm-hmm. which is was double his career rate at the point. And this year at 12.3%, is he, is he being too passive and working too deep into counts and just not getting good pitches to hit? Maybe he needs to be, be more aggressive. And that's what I need to dig into a little bit more. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned, but hopefully he gets back on it because – you look, he's not chasing any pitches out of the zone, yep. which is encouraging. There, there's some encouraging signs here and encouraging steps forward, but at the same time, man, it's, it's hard to stomach what he's done so far, but you just have to hope that he gets it going. I mean, two RBIs, one stolen base, 219 average. That's tough so far on you, especially where you drafted him. But I think you have to sit tight and hope he rebounds. But I'm just beginning to wonder if he's more of a you know, 25 home run guy that it's like 260, 270 rather than a 30 home run threat that could hit 280. And so I don't know. That, that's a big question first. Right about now, I'll take 25 the way things are yeah. going. But because uh, I have a, when draft season started, I took a ton of hobby bias. I was a big believer in the bounce back. Like I said, mixed results, stealing bags and doing, he's doing everything but hit for average. And then as draft season went on, I started doing my research. I kept seeing Glaber Torres fall. It was always like Glaber Torres and hobby bias were always sitting there at the same time. And so I started taking some tours to kind of diversify things, thinking, okay, things can change. I remember seeing Mark DeRosa on MLB Tonight or one of their shows last year talking exactly about what you said. So that's why I want to hear what you said first about he needs to be more aggressive out of the zone. Because if you go back to his previous years and you just go to his O swing, in 2018 and 2019, it was 34.4%, 35.1%. Last year, it's 25.6%, 10% drop in O swing. This year, it's a 258 like that might not seem like a lot to, to some people, but that is totally taking aggressiveness out of your bat. Like he's he's the walk rates up because of the O swing going down, as you mentioned. So in OBP league, sure you're happy, but you're not getting power. Maybe he needs to be more aggressive. Maybe he needs to go on an outside pitch and flip it to the short porch and right. Like these are things that might play more into his game. What frustrates me is MLB Network figured it out. I can look at fan graphs and figure it out. You figured it out. How does no one in the New York brass figure this out? Like that this is how this kid is because you look at so many of these younger players now, you just got to kind of accept, okay, the new era of baseball, we're going to strike out a lot. But the more they aggressively swing the bat and put the ball in play, let's go. Because his contact skills are pretty much all the same throughout the deal. He's just being way more patient, it feels like. And it's just like, oh, there it goes. Like the part that maybe makes him powerful, he's losing it because now he's behind in a count 0-2 and he's just trying to slap a base hit. Like it all goes out the window now because of that patience he was he was doing. And I just wish someone would smack someone in that New York clubhouse and tell them to like, hey kid, I don't care if you go 0 for four with four strikeouts, swing the bat. Like let's let's just let's get your confidence. Let, let's let you feel 
what barreling up an outside pitch feels like right now. Let's go swing. So I don't know. I'm holding out hope. I really am because that team, I think once it clicks, it's going to be contagious. So I'm hoping that works because they're all not hitting right now. So I'm going to kind of also gain – it's like the Cubs from last year already starting with the with the Yankees, but we'll see. As you can tell, I, I'm very uh, invested in this, and I've, I've looked into this tons, so yeah. I wanted to get, get your thoughts. It's just – it's frustrating. Very frustrating. Yeah, sure. um, all right, this one is not, though. This is awesome to see, and I really want to know if you think this is a sustainable. Trevor Rogers for the Miami Marlins. One of my bold predictions this year was the Miami Marlins have the best starting rotation in the AL East by the season's end. And Trevor Rogers was a major reason why, because everyone kind of discounts the Marlins and you got, you know, DeGrom and company and all these other pitchers. The East is pretty loaded with like at least two to three pitchers on every team. I think the Marlins are this good. And Trevor Rogers is one of them. He's been outstanding to start the season. Is this sustainable to you? And if it is, how many innings do you think he gets roughly? I'm not going to say sustainable to this point, but yeah, this is like elite level stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're, you're right, man. That rotation is really good. And, you know, they haven't had Sixto, uh, Eliezer, Hernandez has been out. So they've been impressive. You know, Sandy's taken the step forward. Lopez has been good. Rogers, obviously stellar. That's what you love to see. I mean, he struck out 31 guys in 22 innings, one six four ERA, 1.00 whip, all encouraging signs. And a lot of people didn't buy in last year because he was bad, but under the hood last year, it was pretty good. I mean, that's 6.11 ERA, 30% strikeout rate. But you look, and the XERA last year was 3.53, the FIP lower, you know, things that you like to see, and it gave you reason to buy into them. And the biggest concern right now with Rodgers is he's getting hit a little hard. You know, when he's he's not getting barreled up, but, you know, looking at the average exit velocity of 91.6 miles an hour on his batted balls, it's you know, 20th percentile. It's not great. The hard hit rate not great either at 46.7%, but he's making it work. Uh, I think it sustains to an extent. I think that the strikeout rate being 30 to 35% is completely reasonable. He did it last year, 35.6% so far this year. Really, really like what I see. He's been impressive. That arsenal, really good. The slider, man, just super stellar. And here's what did it for me in the spring when we saw his fastball velo take a jump. That was the biggest thing. I mean, last year, 93.6 average fastball velocity. And this year, he's up to nearly 95. And in the spring, he was pumping up to 96, hitting 97 some. So that was super encouraging. That was the re- one of the reasons that you know, I was like, this is a guy I need to buy in on. He struck out 23 guys on the fastball alone. That's crazy. Yeah, he's, he's using it 61% of the time, which he gives me some pause. Like, yeah. is that too much? But, I mean, if you're doing what he's doing with it, 38.7% whiff rate, 30.7% put away rate, gets good spin rates on it. Everything you like to see, keep pumping it, man. The slider's good. The changeup, they're good to offset it. But, man, if you're blowing the fastball by people and striking out those kind of numbers, do it all day. So I think it's sustainable. The innings mark is a question. Maybe he gets to 140, 150, but I have no clue. Like, I don't know where they're going to cap him at, which is concerning. But for now, man, you got to enjoy what he's doing. Let's ride it out and – See, he's, I mean, he's been going, he pitched seven innings in his last start, which was encouraging six, five, four. He, he's been all over the board in his starts, but you know, if he's throwing six, seven innings a start, it's definitely encouraging. Maybe he's sustainable of, of pitching a full year. We'll see, but love what I've seen from Rogers. Yeah, it'll be interesting. In, in 2019, he pitched 136 innings, 
but then obviously 2020 got held back to 28. Who knows what he did at the alt site? So it's he's 23. It's like, okay, do we add on to his 136 or do we go, okay, kid, get us like 100 and then we'll work you up as a future because you you could be a big part of this for a while. So we don't want to we don't want to go full, you know, Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood on you here. Let's 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 be careful. It'd be interesting. Um, let's do a couple of quick hitters here and then we'll get to the listener questions because we have some really good ones to talk about. You mentioned him earlier. Tyler Glass now, um, I was part of me admits I'm wrong. Part of me is he did what I, he needed to do. I kept saying until he has a third pitch, I can't buy into him. Well, he has a darn good third pitch right now. So far, it's still early, but so far it's been outstanding. And he's locating it, he's going deep into games, like he's been great. Are you buying in like this is the guy that we're gonna see? Well, not to this level, maybe, but this ace for the rest of the year, or are you still kind of like, I need to see it a little more from you, Tyler? No, I think I'm ready to buy in. And yeah. I, I made that we did a dynasty bowl prediction show on the tool shed. And I said, he could be a top five dynasty pitcher by years in because of that pitch. You know, that was later in the spring when he, we had seen him adding that pitch and it's looking good. I end up with a lot of shares. I'm honestly, because I just couldn't get myself to commit on some of the prices, starting pitchers. Some of my teams that are, might be shaky, but he's my SP one on several teams, and it's you know looked good so far. We'll, we're going to hope it sustains. But yeah, everything looks phenomenal under the hood too. You, you look what he's done with the point seven three ERA, point six five WHIP, thirty six Ks in twenty four innings. Things you love to see, and also throwing deeper into games, which is something that he hadn't done as much in the past. But in three of his starts, at least six innings, went seven point two in one start. So definitely love to see those things that he's doing. The, you mentioned the slider, the slider-cutter combo, whatever you want to call it, has mm-hmm. been huge for him. I think that was a big thing that he needed to take that next step. He's always pretty much been a two-pitch guy with a four-seam and curve. Those that change up a little bit. And he's pretty much thrown the, the change up out the window this year and it's gone uh, like exclusively four-seam, slider, curve. And it's worked out really well. That pitch is fantastic and he throws it to the, the back foot of left-handed hitters and they can't touch it still pumping the fastball a lot but you when you throw it 97.2 miles an hour on average you can do that he's got a 0.081 batting average against on the fastball change up 0.074 batting average against in the slider 0.176 so if that's your worst pitch that's that new pitch he's doing pretty well so i think it sustains we're gonna hope he stays healthy hope he can keep pitching deeper into games and and see that innings build up which is i think the biggest question mark he's never pitched a lot of innings you know 111 innings in 2018 was his was his high mark so where does he cap this year hard to say for sure but we're gonna hope that he can bump up to at least like 160 or so i think 160 would be a re a really good number for a starter this year but we just don't know i think that's a question mark with plenty of pitchers like how many innings are they going to throw and i think that's a legitimate concern here with glass now is what what are they going to cap him at because again He's their ace. You know, they've, they've got him for the next several years. Are they going to push him, or are they going to be conservative with him? I guess we'll see. Fun question for you. Who throws more innings this year, Tyler Glass now or Corbin Burns? Mm. Oh, man. I think I'm going to go Glass now, but I think it's going to be yeah. close. We'll see. I lean, gla- I lean Glass now, too. But both those guys, I was concerned with the workload. That was like the biggest reason I just didn't draft them more, and that's both of them are making me look. Pretty bad right about now. Um, Kenta Maeda, he, I didn't pay the price for him this year. I loved him last year because of the, where he's getting drafted. This year, I wanted nothing to do with it. And this is not a victory lap because he struggled. But you look beneath the hood, and I think there's still some hope, possibly. What's your thoughts on Maeda, who's had a very rough start to the start of the season? Yeah, it's concerning. I, like I pretty much avoid him like you, except in our Tout Wars draft. I actually took him. I 
think I feel like he was pretty good value where I got him. He, he fell exactly. pretty good in that draft. He did. And so I, I bought in, but oh, it's been tough so far to, to stomach that one. But I, I don't know. I'm struggling. And, you know, you look at what he did last year and it looked legit. Like I thought everything he did last year was legit. The number, the, the pr- draft price was a little high this year. So that gave me pause. You know, you could buy him at the right cost. Sure. But he made gains last year in the strikeout department, the walk rate, he cut in half. The 4% walk rate was absolutely stellar. Being out of LA where he was kind of let free, the, the Dodgers manipulated him like crazy. And, you know, Minnesota just let him be who he was, let him start and run with it. And he's been, he was really good. And so this year you look and it's just kind of frustrating, concerning. I don't know. I, I think he can rebound. Like you mentioned, I think there's plenty of, Hope, or at least a little bit of hope, I'm going to say, where he can rebound and give you something. But I don't know if he performs that level he did in 2020, which is what you were paying for last year with a top 50 pick on him. And so I, I hope the strikeout rates tick back up. It's hard to imagine him being staying sub 20%. I mean, he's been 26% for his career. Got to imagine that comes back up. The walk rate looks fine. Swing and strike rate look, looks fine. So... I think that he does take the next – I mean, I think he rebounds a little bit. You look at the number, like the O contact's way up at 63%. So he's seen a lot of contact out of the zone, which is interesting. Overall contact rates are up, but his zone contact is down, which yep. I think does give you some hope. And the CSW, a little low at 27%. But, again, he's never been a huge CSW guy, 32.8% last year with his career high. But I think he rebounds, even though the FIP, the Sierra – they don't look great. Sierra's at four two eight, the FIP five three zero, and his XERA at four four seven. But I think he does. I think you have to hold on right out. Maybe if you want to bench him for a start or two, mm-hmm. but I think he does rebound to an extent. Probably not to twenty twenty numbers. Yeah, I, I'd be willing to trade for him because you could probably get him for like seventy cents on the dollar or something. Sure. Um, he's not going to be twenty twenty exactly, but it's kind of a you, you hit on it there a little bit. Like his O swings down which obviously means or should mean more walks, which happened. But his little contact's up, so they're swinging less out of the zone. They're making more contacts, so there's his strikeouts going out the window. There's his CSW going out the window. Like, if, if they go back to even, like, the 50 to 55% O contact, like, last year, 48 was amazing. But even 50 to 55, like, an, anywhere from, like, an 8 to 12% decrease, the strikeouts will go up through the roof, basically. So it's those little things. His slider usage is up a bunch. I know Michael Simeone tweeted out a deal about his slider usage, and he's living in the middle of the zone with that slider, which is not good. And that's been his big issue. So I think it's just a couple, a little bit of tweaks in his pitch mix maybe and, and a little more uh, like back to regression, back to reality of the O contact and whatnot. I think we could see a different Kenta Maeda. All right. This one, I, I kind of hinted at him earlier. We talked about Chris Bryant, but the other Chicago third baseman, Yohan Moncada, I, I, 2020 with COVID, he admitted it. And when guys talk about it like that, I believe it. I'm just going to cross that one off. We saw signs of good with Moncada, but as a whole, He's hitting 200 on the year with one home run, no stolen bases, striking out 31% of the time. It's like I was cool with you striking out a lot when you still hit the baseball, but you're not hitting the baseball, and like everything's down right now. So what's your thoughts on Moncada? Because I'm I'm not giving up by any means, but I am slightly concerned. Ah, me too, for sure. And he, I thought he was a great draft day bargain. You know, He was falling. I thought, like you said, there was things last year that I gave guys a pass for, and I fully gave Moncada a pass. He he openly admitted that COVID affected him for a long time. He said he never felt like himself, but 
this year it's been even worse. How does that even happen? I don't know. You, you look and he's not hitting the ball nearly as hard. You know, the max exit velo is right at last year's number, but you look in the past in 2018, his max exit velo was 113. And in 2019, 115.8, which was top 2% of the league. And now looking at 109 each of the last two years is slightly concerning. There are some things that are positive in his profile, in my opinion. And it's that one, the line drive rates up to 30.8%, right there with the fly ball rate also at 38.38%. And sorry, 30.8%. But th- that should mean your batting average is higher. Normally, we see guys have a tick up in line drive rate. Normally, their batting average trends up with it, but his is trended downward, which is definitely interesting to, to see. And I don't know. His profile is kind of weird. The zone contact still fine. Like even though it's lower than last year, we can live at 82% zone contact. That's solid. Overall contact rate of 71. Eh, it's okay. He's swinging less out of the zone. And again, maybe he's just being too passive. He, you've seen that tick down each of the last two years from 32.70 swing to 29 and then 24.9. That's just not a number you want to be at. The OBP is decent. Like we, he's seen the walk rates go up, but his batting average is going down. That's not what you want to see out of him. And there's the power has been minimal. There's been no stolen bases in either of the last two seasons. So you definitely have to factor that in sprint speed. He, at one point, like is a minor leaguer. We thought he was going to steal like 30 bags pretty easily. He had one of the top sprint speeds in the league. And now he's down to like a pretty average sprint speed around 50th percentile. So to think about these things, who is Yohan Moncada and, I don't have a good answer right now. I wish I did, but I don't know. I'm struggling with who he is and who he'll be moving forward, but he's a tough one. Yeah, he's killing me right now. It's because I don't want to give up on the kid, but a lot of the numbers don't give me as much hope as some other guys do. But it's still super early, so again, I'm trying not to panic, but it's one of these, if I revisit this in about two to three more weeks, it might be time to start making some decisions. So um, it's going to be an interesting one. I just out of all the guys we talked about, he's probably the one outside of Keston Hero, which I just don't have much of, anyways. But Moncada, I'm nervous. I'm really nervous that something's not right with the kid. So we'll wait and see. Uh, on Friday, Alex Kirilov was called up by the Minnesota Twins. Miguel Sano going to the IL and some other roster moves. We we've been waiting for Kirilov. We saw him in the one playoff game last year. We saw him on a double hitter this year. They went back down. He might be up to stay. We can hope. We'll see. But if he gets regular playing time, how aggressive are you this Sunday come Fab? I think you've, I think you got to throw a good bit of money at him. He's that talented. He's the type of guy that can hit in the middle of that order. He's got that good of a bat. I mean, it's very solid hit tool, good power numbers. I don't see who takes his playing time, honestly. I mean, Buxton's a lock in center field. Roster Resource has him in a platoon right now with, with Brent Rooker, which I don't see. I mean, Kirilov is too talented for you to bring up and not play every day. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason for them to do that. Kepler obviously will be back soon, but I think Kirilov keeps that other corner spot, maybe play some first base too. They've got Williams Ostadio at first base right now. I don't know. I think that he does play every day. I think he earns that spot because he can be one of the better bats in their lineup. I mean, you just look at what he's done in the minor leagues. He's been really solid, solid batting average. The power numbers – haven't been great, but he's got the game powers there. I mean, the power is definitely there for him to hit 25 home runs. Like I mentioned, the hit tool, he can hit for solid average. He may give you multi-position eligibility. Who knows? If Sano's out and he plays some first base, plays some corner outfield, that'd be pretty sweet. And he's he's one of the top prospects in the game for a reason. And I just have a hard time believing that you call him up to platoon him. 
There's I'm no reason there. for a guy like Alex Kirloff, who's a top prospect, 23 years old, to stun his development that way. But, you know, we, we look at the White Sox doing that with Andrew Vaughn, and <laughs> who knows? Yeah. But I think Kirloff does play. I think he's first baseman long-term, but he's more than capable of playing corner outfield right now. I think that you grab him and, and see where it goes. But like you said, he's going to cost a pretty penny. The top prospects, the shiny new toys, always cost a lot of fab. So I, I, I was, I'm struggling to figure out what to bid on him. I don't yeah. really know what percentage to throw at him because it's probably not enough. Someone's going to go really high. That's always my problem with the youngsters. Even when Fabapalooza a couple of years ago when Hira and all of them came up, I didn't get a share in of anybody. Riley, Hira, um, all of those guys. I got nothing. So I thought I bid high. It was not high enough. But we'll see. Everyone's already broken the bank so far, so maybe bids will be lowered. That's true. <laughs> it'll, it'll make things interesting. So uh, we'll see on that one. But I am curious. I'm looking forward to seeing what he has uh, – because they still have Larnick down there too. They 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 got some nice talent that that could be coming up here pretty soon as things get going. Now let's set up some listener questions and we'll get on out of here. We got a bunch of good ones. Just want to let Aaron R know. We already talked about Yohan Moncada, so you're good to go there. He asked a question the other day, so we have him saved up. A few other ones to go off of here. Uh, Nanya Biz at King Machi Nation asks, "What's your thoughts or concerns about Mike Yastrzemski?" I would be uh, what's your thoughts or concerns about Mike Yastrzemski would be fantastic. It's an interesting one. I'm a Giants fan and I didn't buy into the massive all-star type guy that people are claiming him up to be, but I still think he's a good hitter. It's just, I think the expectations were too high. What's your thoughts on Yaz? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. He, his price was a little high, even though it wasn't too high in drafts. He was fantastic last year. I mean, he gave you great numbers. I almost wonder if the power jump, they mentioned those airwaves they opened up out yeah. in the outfield. I wonder if that played into it some because I just didn't see that huge power jump from him. He hit 10 home runs in 54 games. I never really saw him as like a, a 30 home run type bat. I think he's probably a 20 home run type guy, but even in 2019, you know, he hit 21 home runs in 107 games, which maybe he's more than 20. Maybe he's 25 home run guy. But you look now and you know, hitting 186 is a little discouraging, just two home runs on the year so far. He struck out 24 times, which is a little concerning as well. And you look under the hood and you look at his XBA of 181, it's just not giving it to you. His sweet sweet spot percentage is not good either. And you look at the launch angle, hitting in that sweet spot, not there at all. But the power numbers, I mean, he's jumped his max exit velo up from – 105.6 last year to 109.4 this year. Just average exit velocity down a little bit. Barrel rate down a tick. 30% strikeout rate, like I mentioned, slightly concerning. I think he rebounds, but I just don't think he is who some people thought he was, like you yeah. mentioned. I think the expectations were just a hair high. I do think he comes around. You look at his spray chart, it's pretty solid. I mean, there's a couple balls that you know could have been home runs in a lot of stadiums that were doubles. We'll see. I, I think you kind of hold fast, maybe bench him for now, but I do think he, he kind of turns the corner and comes back around. Yeah, I think you can bench him, that's for sure. I wouldn't get rid of him unless you can trade him for something good. The one caveat I'll mention, and like the launch angle at 9.9, down from 18.4 and 19.2, he's, he's been battling a wrist injury. He got hit on the wrist towards the end of spring training, and like early on in the season, he'd miss a game here and there. So how healthy is that wrist? That takes away power, stuff along those lines. I'd be patient with Yaz because in the end, he could still probably get you 20-ish home runs, give or take, hit for like maybe 260-ish by the end of it and be productive in that lineup. So, And, and the, the offense has been better than expected. 
So I, I'd be patient with Yaz if I was you. Uh, next question we got for you here from Eric Samolsky. He asked, Bubba, I'm getting worried about Tommy Pham. Chris, are you worried about Tommy Pham? A little bit. I thought, again, he was a decent bargain. Like I thought he was like kind of the poor man's Randy Rosarena in drafts, honestly, because you know, 2020 potential, solid hit tool. But you look and you obviously have to factor in the injuries. Like he dealt with injuries last year. The stab wound was brutal. And you wonder, you know, would he be a lesser player this year? And obviously right now there's a lot of reasons to be concerned. He hadn't hit a home run yet, just two stolen bases. And he's hitting 153. 301 OBP definitely gives you some positive vibes, but his slug is 169. That's atrocious. We mentioned slugging with somebody before about lower than OBP, I think with Hura. And Tommy Pham's slug is half of his OBP, which is just nuts. But – you do look and there's some things that in the profile that he's still hitting the ball hard. His average exit velo is really good still at 91.8. His max exit velo right there was career average, you know, at 110, pretty solid. The launch angle, even up higher than last year. And it's right there with his career norms. Last year was 2.4 degree launching. That's not good. It's 6.5 this year. Puts him actually above his career average. There's some positive things. His XBA, 241. X slug, 437. I think he's had some bad luck. I also think he's been passive as well. It's hard hit rate, 50%. That's yep. fantastic. He's not chasing any balls out of the zone. Again, I think that's the problem. His walk rate's up to 15%. The strikeout rate's down to 19.2%. And I think that's kind of hurt him a little bit. So I, with his age, I would say I'm slightly concerned. He's 33 years old. You have to wonder when speed tapers off for these guys. Sprint speed numbers right now are still really good. Like we mentioned earlier, those numbers take a little longer to stabilize because how StatCast actually classifies a sprint. But you look at it, his profile is just all red, which is interesting on Stack. I know that doesn't mean a whole lot, but I think it does mean you look at the numbers and I think there's some rebound coming. We'll see, but I'm concerned, but not freaking out. Yeah, I'd be patient with Tommy Pham because he's come out and said how he's still recovering from his injuries. But you look at the StatCast page and every expected stat, like if you do any – leaderboard with expected stats he's near the top of all of them like he's he's up there with all the big names you're looking at you mentioned his hard hit rates he has as many barrels in this season as he had all of 2020 already like he's doing things right he's got two stolen bases already he's walking more i'd i'd be patient it's going to be a very good offense you want him to be a part of that let him get healthy and i think we'll be okay with tommy fam so and he, he like you said he was a discount on draft day so it's not like you spent a, a, a crazy price tag for him He's still very, very affordable. It's just people see like Ramon Mariano and other guys are going around him tearing the cover off the baseball, and you're kind of frustrated. I'd wait on Tommy Pham. Does he get you 20-20? Maybe not. But could he get you 15-20 and hit you 260 the rest of the way? Very possible. And that'll be not too bad this time in this uh, era of baseball we're watching. Joseph Morrow asks, can we get a Drew Waters scouting report, and is he an option with the Braves' current outfield situation? Well, we got a prospect guy and a Braves fan here. So, uh, Chris, what do you got on Drew Waters, and how soon can we hopefully expect him in Atlanta? Good question. They've been really quiet on him. He's he's a guy that you know, which is nuts. I feel like I'd have some, you know, some knowledge into the Braves, but there wasn't a lot on him last year of what he did. He's got loud tools. I mean, the power's developing. He's got great speed from the left side of the plate. Fantastic hitter. He's a switch hitter, but in reality, I don't think he should, which is kind of crazy to say, but he really struggles from the right side. From the left side, 
stellar, easily easy a plus hitter there. But I don't know. I just I'm not sure the Braves are comfortable enough with him yet to bring him up. I think he may be more of a 2022 guy. It wouldn't surprise me to see him get a taste, you know, a cup of coffee later this year. But I think that if they were confident in him, they would have already brought him up because they've had injuries. Acuna's been hurt, Pache, and they've been kind of just mixing and matching where they can. And they've got Guillermo Heredia in center field. They've got, I mean, these guys that just aren't big time major league players. And you've got a top prospect there in Waters. I don't know. Uh, he's hard to know what he did last year, what kind of gains that he made. He's got all the talent in the world. He's more than capable of coming up. I think he can be a potential like 15 to 18 home run guy with 20 stolen bags. I just wish he wouldn't switch hit, which sound, kind of sounds crazy, but the strikeout rates from that right side are just terrible. Like he was like up to like 37% from the right side in 2019, but he's seen triple a and that's the crazy thing. He got, he got triple a in 2019. So you'd think that he should be ready. But I do think that they want to give him a chance down in the minors, get going, give him some confidence, and then potentially call him up. But so I don't know, maybe later this year, maybe 2022. I don't have a ton of insight into that, but I think that he's got the talent. It's more of just tapping into that talent. We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully we gets off to a hot start and uh, the minors, they don't have a choice. That'd be always fun. Uh, Stevie Yo asks, is this Kurt Casale shutout thing a fluke or is he legit helping the staff? Sneaky ad in a 15-team two-catcher league. For those that don't know, he the last five games he's caught have been shutouts, but uh, he's come and talked about it that like him and Posey have put in like extra, extra, extra work on learning the hitters and the approach for the pitchers. And I think he's a great caller of the game, maybe receiver of the game. I wouldn't get too excited about the offense personally, so I would not be adding him unless like it's the deepest, messed up fifteen team league you've ever been in. Yeah, I'd one hundred percent agree. I'd, for fantasy purposes, not much of an ad. I'd, I wouldn't be looking to touch him at all, but. Yeah, he's great in the field, and that matters in real life. It matters for him being on the field for fantasy purposes. He's going to be. Just not sure the bat's there. It's not really worth adding for me, but it's pretty impressive five straight shutouts that he's called. That's pretty cool. Uh, Will Garofalo asks, does Conforto stink? (laughs) I don't think so. I think that, again, he got a little little inflated last year. He wasn't going to hit for that kind of batting average again. That batting average was super inflated. He had that Babbitt last year that was through the roof. Right. Well, the Babbitt was, let's say, let me pull that 412. up. 412. 412 right. last year. <laughs> I knew it was above 400. It was nuts. Yeah. That was going to come down. He's a career 304 Babbitt, which yeah. 100 points higher. That's definitely eye-opening. He's not going to hit 178. He's not going to hit 322. I think he comes back to like a, a 270 range, 260, 270 range. He's got good pop. That'll come around too. <laughs> Hadn't seen it yet, but yeah. I think he comes around. I'm not overly concerned about Conforto. Would you rather have Conforto or Yastrzemski rest of the way? Uh, definitely Conforto. Okay, there you go. That should help some people out. Uh, Whole Camels asks at Daily underscore Phil. This is a good question, actually. Who would you you drop if necessary, Clint Frazier or Andrew Vaughn? For me, it's Clint Frazier, but I totally understand the Vaughn frustration. <sighs> That's tough because Vaughn is so talented. He should be playing every day. He should be getting the reps and learning. And, and you know, there's going to be a learning curve with a lot of these guys. Not every prospect comes up and hits immediately. And we got spoiled with Acuna, Tatis, Soto. Those guys came up and just lit the world on fire. And not every guy will. And I think that once Vaughn hits his stride, he's going to be fine. He's got an incredibly good hit tool. He's got a lot of raw power. I'm not really worried about him. Frazier, on the other hand, I am slightly worried about. 
it's tough with him because I thought that he could be a breakout. He had a solid year last year when he finally got some reps, but he's just been really, really bad this year. Contact's not really been there. He's not swinging at all out of the zone. We looked at those swing numbers for some guys at 25%. He's, he's below 20%, which is concerning. I don't know. I think there's some reason to be concerned about Frazier. If you're in a shallower league, don't have a problem dropping him. I want. I just want to hold on to Vaughn because the upside's there. I think Frazier has some upside, but Vaughn's upside is much higher, in my opinion. Yeah, I almost dropped Vaughn two weeks ago, and I like Sunday morning I changed it back and dropped someone else because I'm just like Tony Larusa. You suck so much. Like you're just killing me with this kid. But and I don't know if it'll change. That's the part that kills me because I just don't know right. if Larusa will change because the kid's never going to be good unless he plays consistently. Yep. That's just the reality of it. So we'll see. Um, Alex at AJT126, would you drop Yastrzemski for Kirilov in a shallow league? Yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with that. I think that yep. the replacement level, depending on how shallow, especially with like a 10-team league, churn the struggling guys. Yep. Take some upside on Kirilov. I'm fine with that. I'm with you there. Um, shallow league, that's the big big part of that part we talked about there. Uh, Cody Mack at Do, regular listener of the show. We talked about Kyle Tucker already, so we, can, we don't have to talk about that. But he asks, are you worried about Ryan Mountcastle, 17 strikeouts and 40 at-bats? Yeah, and he's one I think that got a little inflated as well. Mm-hmm. He was never a, a huge batting average guy in the minors. I mean, solid, but not studly by any means. And he came out last year firing, and he had a fantastic year last year. He hit 333, and his OBP jumped, which was interesting. He's always kind of a low-walk rate guy. Hit five home runs and 140 plate appearances. I think that inflated him a little bit. Again, the shiny new toy. He had a great year. People got excited. And his, his price wasn't terribly high this year. I think he was around like 150 range in drafts. But you had to know there was some regression coming. He wasn't going to hit that again. I'm not overly concerned from a standpoint of, well, I think he's going to hit sub 200. No, I think the strikeout rate does come down some. He was never a huge, huge strikeout guy in the minors. So it could just be some early season adjustments. We'll see. I'm not. I don't think he's going to strike out at whatever he's, whatever clip he's striking out at right now. I know it's pretty high at 33. percent I think that comes down to you know, 25 or lower. Wouldn't be overly concerned. I think he comes around, but again, he's not going to be the guy he was last year. So I think you have to temper expectations a little bit. Would you drop Mountain Castle for Kirilov? I think I would. I'll take the upside on Kirilov. Vamos Roja asks, is Trent Grisham showing improvements from last year? Too early He's for me to tell, but what's your thoughts? He's interesting because I, yeah. I almost wondered if he was going to regress from last year. Yeah, all I off thought season. he was. <laughs> I thought he would too. I ended up with a lot of shares of him. I have a lot of them in Dynasty too. And so I was hoping he wouldn't. But yeah. no, I, I there is some concern. I mean, the, the con- overall contact rate is down. This is interesting. Contact rate from went down from 78.8% last year to 70.1% this year. But his zone contact jumped from 83.8 up to 90.2, which cool. is obviously very, very encouraging. Yeah. That's a big thing. Hitting the ball on the ground less, fantastic. He's hitting more fly balls, and so is naturally his home run to fly ball rate's a little inflated at 26.7%. But again, last year it was 20%. So that's not overly concerning. Love what I've seen so far. I think that he's making gains. Again, he's swinging a little more out of the zone, which I think is okay. Yep. I'm not overly concerned with that if his O swing's up a little bit. Or his O swing's actually down, but his contact rate's down as well out of the zone. So let me specify that. Making more contact in the zone, fantastic. At least he's still swinging at pitches out of the zone. He'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, if the zone contact's up that much, I think he's going to be great, man. He's 
seems like a 2020 guy for sure with a solid average. I don't know if he'll hit 318. I think that's going to come down a little bit, but you know, he'll be very good for you. I want to see a new metric because like we keep saying these guys need to be more aggressive outside the zone, and I completely agree. I want to see a metric like uh, there's the the zone contact, then I want the shadow zone, and then out of the zone because so many pitchers are pitching that shadow zone now, so that counts as outside the zone True. for the hitter. But like you look at pitchers, it's it's still outside, but they have a special zone rate like shadow zone. I think the shadow zone is still very hittable. It's when you chase it farther out of there that you're in trouble. So I want to know that difference on some yeah. of these hitters. I think it could be interesting. Yeah. Um, John Wilder asks, oh, first off, he says you answered too many questions already, which is funny. <laughs> um, but he said, what about Kyle Tucker, Willie Capper? We already talked about Tucker. We're good there. Do you see them playing up to their potential? So Willie Castro, kind of off to a slow start, but there were some high hopes for him. Yeah, we we mentioned Tucker. I think he'll be fine. Castro was a guy I liked a lot in in deeper league, especially like a fifteen team league late in drafts. And he's a guy I drafted a lot in the three hundred range and hasn't paid any dividends for me at all. And no home runs, two eleven average, two forty three OBP, two eighty two slug. Just not good all around. The interesting thing is his max exit velo. He smacked a ball one fifteen point four miles an hour, which is top three percent of the league. Now he's never been a huge like stat cast guy when we look at like exit velocity, but that was it just keeps standing out to me that he can that he's capable of hitting the ball hard. You look at everything else pretty much in line. He's hitting the sweet spot at a similar percent. The hard rates hit rates down a tick. Strikeout rates down. Walk rates down. The, he's never been a big walk rate guy. Barrel rates down a lot, which is a little bit concerning. But I think he improves. But to what extent? Like who is Willie Castro? I think that's a question we have to come to realize like last year was only 140 plate appearances and he hit 349, which was awesome. Six home runs. I thought he could be a solid hitter, give you 10 to 15 home runs, but I don't know. I'm struggling with him really to figure out who he is at this point. He's got a good sprint speed too, which is interesting. He doesn't steal. I wish he would give you some steals. At least that'd be kind of nice, but I do think he comes around a little bit, but to what extent is the question. He's still young. He's still 23 years old. Still plenty of time for him to adjust and improve. The best thing about Willie Castro to me is he's such got so much positional eligibility. It's like, okay, it's hard for me to give up on you, especially in deep leagues. Shallow leagues, there's right. probably replacement value. But deep leagues, sure. I keep on grinding. Uh, not a question here. We have two more real questions. But first, David Mendelson from Triple Play Fantasy says, it's not a question, but will you tell him I miss him? So miss he misses you. Too, <laughs> All right, two more questions here. Simon P. Um, asks, surprised by Dom Nunez and Austin Gomber, can they keep this up? Those are interesting. I mean, Nunez has always had a ton of raw power, which obviously plays up in cores a lot. Just a matter of what he play. And he's smacked four home runs so far. He's hitting the ball fairly hard. I mean, the, the average exit velocity is pretty low, but the payroll rate at 20% is fantastic. Again, only 20 batted balls. You have to take that in stride. Strikeout rate is highly alarming at 38%, 8% walk rate. I think he just is who he is. He's a guy who's going to strike out a lot, not give you much batting average. Decent, not great OBP, but when he hits the ball, he may give you some home runs. So in a really, really deep league where you might start two catchers, he may be of consideration, but I don't I don't know. I don't really see it. Gomber is interesting. He's one... I thought he'd get eaten up in Coors Field. Yeah. I mean, so obviously in, in the Arenado trade, mm-hmm. but then you look what he's done so far and he's been good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's highly interesting to me. He's intriguing. May take a flyer on him. See, but you know, the walk rate, 
17.2%. That's terrible. Way too and, high. Yeah. Yeah. Even last year, nearly struck out 13%, which is not good either. I do think he comes back to earth a little bit. But in a deeper league, he may be worth a stream if he's not added yet and see where it goes from here. But a guy, you know, if he falls off, just drop him. It's not a big deal at all. Yeah, I grabbed him for his two starts next week. So we'll see how that goes. Um, we'll wait and see. Uh, the other question he, uh, Simon had for you, what are some lesser known NL prospects that might make a contribution this year? Mm, let's see. National League prospects. Let me pull up my prospect list. Just have an idea of uh, – and I should know off the top of my head, but you know, on the spot. Oh yeah, I should have looked at all these questions before, but it's all good. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, like we know, a lot of the guys are AL actually. Like that, I think are going to contribute this year. Kelnick, Kirloff, we know coming up. Wander, Jaron Duran, those are guys I think contribute. Joe Attell, well, these are AL guys with the world. Yeah. All right, JJ Blade, National League, Miami Marlins. He's another one who made a huge step last year that we didn't get to see in game. He was a stud at Vanderbilt. He hit 27 home runs in the college season, which just is, if you don't know, is absolutely stellar because they only play like 60-some games. So he absolutely killed it his last year. But he's one who made big strides last year. The Marlins, their outfield has Adam Duvall, Corey Dickerson in it. Those guys aren't going to hold the day off. He's really advanced at the plate, got a lot of power. I think I could definitely see him coming up. Joey Bart's another one. I mean, he's not really lesser known at this point. We know he debuted last year. didn't go quite as expected, but you know, he could come up, you know, with, with uh Posey, obviously killing it. That kind of throws a wrench into that, but no reason Bart can't come up, get some time this year. Another giant who I'm a big fan of is Helio Ramos. Who's yeah. kind of flies under the radar too, but he's another one last year, I think made some huge gains. He's got some massive, massive power that, I think he's capable of coming up and playing. We'll see when, but those guys, Michael Bush is another one in Los Angeles. I just don't know where the playing time is there. A lot of the, honestly, a lot of the prospect stashes for this year are like American league guys. So national league kind of makes it tough. We hit on drew waters. He's one potentially that could come up, but yeah, that makes it tougher because all these guys, all these stud prospects that should debut or American league, but there's a couple that I think could come up and give you some, some contribution to your fantasy team this year in the national league. I like the Blade call because he's already expected to start at triple a this year. So that means they're going to, they're close and Corey Dickerson outside of an average is doing nothing else. So if if they're in contention, Blade could be that next factor. Okay. Very last thing here. Joe Pine asks, would you please grade this trade in a 12 team points redraft league uh, that devalues wins in favor of K percentage? It was Savali, Hira and Cease. For Giolito. Savale, Hira, and Cease. And this is a redraft league? A 12-team points redraft league that devalues wins in favor of K percentage. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's kind of steep, but in reality, it's like you, you didn't give up anything huge. Like, if Hira doesn't rebound, then it looks great. I mm-hmm. like Savale, but you know who Savale is at this point. And honestly, I'm not a big Cease guy. I think we know who Cease is, too. A lot of people buying in the breakout just think Cease is a guy that's going to walk too many guys. He has control problems. He has upside, but. A lot. I'm buying it. I think it's a good trade. I'll, I'll give it a solid B plus. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting. You get Giolito, so it's always a plus to get the best player in the deal. So we'll see how it goes. But with that, we'll wrap it up. Another great episode chatting with you, Chris. Before we take off, plug away everything you got going on and where they can find you. Sure. Yeah. Thanks again, man. I appreciate you having me. Uh, find me on Twitter at RotoCleg, C L E G G. All my work is at Fantrax HQ, uh, podcast Fantrax Toolshed with Eric Cross. Content. We'll see how it goes. We mentioned having a baby on the way. We'll see what we got coming up, but uh, still on the docket. I know we'll have out before. We'll, we'll have my stat cast piece out on Monday. And then I also have my outfield uh, OBP Dynasty ranks out next week as well. And from there, we'll kind of see. I'm hoping to still keep pumping out at the pace, but we'll see how it goes. But I'm yep. excited. It's an exciting time. But definitely, keep, man. Keep churning away the content. I'm, I'm pumped for you. Congratulations. Uh, enjoy it. Take your time. Content will always be there afterwards. But uh, you'll 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 be surprised what you can finagle into things. Sure. But uh, thanks for joining me, everybody. Check out Chris again on Twitter at Roto Clegg. And this was Bench with Bubba, episode 365. We'll catch you guys next time. from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. All so you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote? Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.